This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Today's episode is sponsored by my Lit Daily Online Yoga Classes. This is an exclusive pass into my personal practice and program that I created from experience as a physical therapist and 20 years developing my Lit Yoga methodology. There is a different class with me every day, including special monthly live streams, so you can feel your most lit up anytime and anywhere. Get a three-day free trial today by going to movementbylara.com and clicking daily classes. Let's get moving. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a movement by Laura podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through safer and smarter movement patterns, so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today's podcast is called What Causes Stress and What to Do About It. Dun, dun, dun. What causes stress? Well, I'm going to specifically talk about my own experiences, but I know that there are other reasons for stress. And also I'm going to talk about physical as well as mental stress and mental emotional stress. So first of all, stress is not a bad thing per se. So I've spoken before about stress being helpful. It, it helps you be motivated. You have a deadline. You get something done because there is a push to get something done. There's a requirement. There is a level of stress. So that holds the bar at this certain level and, and it pushes you to get it done. And that's, that's really good because if somebody just had a free in, free end, like get that done at some point. I don't really, you know, there's not many of us that would work as well with this open-ended kind of deadline. Whereas if we have it, we, we, we tend to get a more organized about how to get that task done. So that kind of stress is important. Similarly, if we were to have 
stress on the body, we will grow from the demands we put on our body. If we never really change the movement patterns or the force we put on it or the repetition or the amount of time, all these different variables that are part of movement and and part of strength training and all of that, then our body isn't going to really be stressed. And if it's not stressed, then we don't, we won't have change in it. We won't be making it stronger or hardier, improving our cardiovascular system and all that. So we need stress to change. We need stress to transform. We need stress to get organized. We need stress to improve. And then there is this point that, and it might be a very tiny little tipping point, or it might be a larger parameter kind of point where stress becomes too much and we get overloaded by it. And then you feel like you only kind of know when stress is too much when you get there. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you feel it, you feel it. And then it's, so that could be in the form of an injury. You develop a tendonitis or a tendinopathy. You get develop a muscle strain. You stress. You develop a stress fracture. These are all. That's why it's called a stress fracture. It's be because the stress was too much for the body and the capacity of the tissues or the joints or the bones, and they and something happened to make you to you know to, at the breaking point, so to speak. So with the body, we we know that when it's kind of, you know, we've injured it um, or we're exhausted. So sometimes if uh, working with really hardcore athletes, professional athletes, we have to be really, you have to be really careful because um, it might not form as, you can feel it in the body, but it's also the recovery. Like if your recovery is really not good, like it takes you a long time to recover from an event or you're really exhausted. These are all forms of stress being too much on the body. It can come out in other ways too. You can be sick all the time. Um, so it's, it's, those are different factors that also have to be examined in the form of, is, is this being, you know, too stressful? And then the form of emotional stress, um, again, we sometimes don't really know we're getting there until we get there. And then it's like, oh crap, this is too late. I feel like I'm going to explode mentally or emotionally. So it's, it's a tricky, a tricky, um, boundary that we need to be able to look at and see more clearly and be able to say, I, I need, I need to slow down a little bit. I need to manage whatever's going on a better, tighter, or I'm going to go over that boundary and it will become too much stress. So I think what's valuable, and these again, these are things that have worked for me, and I've seen them in some and work for others, and I've either gotten advice from people or I've given advice, and so I think that it's these are some some ways that you can manage stress. Well, in your physical body, the first thing is be patient because stress. We need to stress the body, but we don't need to do it as fast as off as much as we think we do. And I think a lot of that is just impatience. We, you know, we want to see changes. We want to see the results. We want to be able to go and run ten miles. We want to be able to get on our hands in a handstand. We want to, we want to 
you know, whatever it is, it's like we've been sold this whole, uh, this fantasy of what, what is, what is a fit body and what is the, the best optimal body. And so, and you can get it in five, you know, five weeks to a six pack and all of this nonsense that, that we're kind of just sold over and over again from as a consumer. And so we have first advice is be patient. I think a lot of stress on the body comes when we're not patient, when we get overly enthusiastic or impatient or whatever it is, we just put too much demand on it too quickly. And that's one of the easiest ways to stress the body, too much demand too quickly. So ramp up whatever you're doing gradually. And that really has to come from a place of patience. If you feel like you want to say, do an event, say, say you want to run a marathon and especially if you've never run a marathon before, give yourself nine months. Don't give yourself three months. Give yourself nine months. Why, why be in a rush? And then really plan out how you're going to prepare for this. If you're a person that's averaging three miles, four times, three or four times a week, um, yes, you could probably do it in a three-month time period or maybe even a six-month but why not give yourself nine months and really strategize about how you're going to be able to run well and then recover well from it? So I would say be patient, be patient if you're going to, and, and, and then apply that to anything, whether it was running or practicing yoga. I mean, yoga for me, like running is for a lot of people too, but yoga for me is a lifelong journey. I'm not, I'm not in a rush to quote unquote, accomplish something in yoga. And I think actually yoga, in fact, kind of promotes that, which is what I love about it is that, it, or it's trying to promote that, but it's our Western mentality doesn't always swallow that pill. Um, but it's trying to promote, like really observe, examine, and then proceed. But don't, don't think you're going to get it. Like you're not going to get it. It's just a lifelong practice, but we can, um, work on the moment to moment paying attention to how it feels challenging our body but doing it very respectfully like loading and and getting integrated and all that stuff but not just like going full throttle at a, pra- at, a at a you know movement practice when we haven't when, when we're not experienced in it or it's new to us or or we haven't given it um the time and the dedication, and we're trying to do like fancy poses, but we don't really haven't laid down all the great kind of building blocks for that. You can apply this to anything um, in, in a physical world, lifting weights, on and on and on. So be patient and and have some really nice steps along the way, whether it's timetable or, or amount of time you're practicing or running or... Um, you know, whatever else demand you're going to lay down, do it, ramp up gradually. How about stress mentally and emotionally? Um, this to me is a harder one to uh, kind of look for because you don't really feel it until you're in it, I think. But I think what, what, um, what I would say is how to manage it is a more, I think, beneficial tool than how to not have it because it's going to happen. There's just, 
It's going to. There's because there's so many things we aren't we aren't in charge of. You know, we can't predict if all of a sudden the company that we work for goes under and we lose our job. We can't predict if someone we love gets sick and dies. We can't predict that um you know, all the things that, that lead to emotional and mental stress. There's a lot of unknowns that we just cannot predict. So what I would say for being able to, what to do about mental and emotional stress is learn how to manage it more. And in that also learn for some big kind of, I don't say red red flags, but indicators. It's like looking at the, um, you know, gaslight and seeing that it's that when the empty thing goes on, you know, how many people out there wait until they're like five miles from the gas station versus, you know, somebody like my mom doesn't let it go below a quarter of a tank. Well, in a way she's doing that because she's managing her own stress. And that's smart. It's smart because she literally doesn't want to, you know, doesn't ever want to be in the position where she's very close to being empty on gas but how about she's also managing her own stress because that brings her stress when, when the gas would be low. So it's like, how about do that in every way? Managing that not going to empty before you decide to do something about it, fill up. So it's, some of it is just managing it. Like, so when those bigger stressors hit, the ones you really can't um, predict or prepare for, you've at least gotten some of the skills. So. Everyone is going to have a different set of tools to handle stress. I would say for me personally, when I have emotional or mental stress at its highest, what I know is I have to pull everything into focus and I have to be very severe in in how I um, determine where I'm spending my energy and time. Because I feel when I feel that sense of like I am going toward empty and I'm feeling stress, I pull everything in and I say, what matters right now? And the first thing that always comes up is my self-care and my family. And I think most people would say that. I don't know if everybody would say self-care and that's, pro- that's problematic because self-care should be, in my opinion, in that. Um. But my family, of course, is huge in there. So when I feel like, oh my gosh, all this is going on, da 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 da, this is happening, this is happening, I think, pull it in. Don't go into the drama land because it's so easy to go down into the kind of toilet bowl of um, all you have going on and how it's it's this and that and this. And I just so for me, it's like I pull, pull everything into this very tight telescope of focus where I can't worry about some of the other things, what I think about it are my priorities. And if, and self-care is a priority because then it helps me. Then I can start to open up my telescope and look out more at the other things. But when I feel, when I get that sense of the cork is about to pop, I just pull everything into focus and get really specific. Um, It helps you also kind of like it's to touchstone, like what really matters at the end of the day? You know, there's so many things I can't control. These are the things that matter clearly. So I go out, I take a walk, I get around my animals, I get around my family, I get around my people, my close, you know, friends. um, And and I make sure I'm taking care of me 
that's how you manage the emotional and the mental and uh, mental and emotional stress. I really think that's true. And then once you once you have gotten a little fuel in your tank, that's when you start to say, "What what can I do to not come to this state again?" I don't think you can examine it when you're in it. You know, so I um, I had a, so this year has just had a lot of emotional and mental um, stressors for me. Some of them were really great. They were all with about growth and opportunity, and I felt super grateful. Um, but that doesn't mean they weren't stressful because they it required decisions, and decisions are hard. I'm I'm okay at some decisions, and I'm really not good at other ones. Um, decisions drain me. I um so if I have to make a lot of decisions at my studio, a lot of decisions at my house and a lot of decisions for my children, a lot of decisions for my business. I am, it drains me at a certain point. So, um, so there can be good stressors that make you feel bad. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it doesn't have to be like all bad stressors. It can be like, so I had really good stuff happening, but it was like cumulatively. And um, then my father died, and that was just emotionally so taxing, so you know horrific. Um, and then I, you know, had to kind of re- like resurface from there, and was able to do that because I knew what I needed to do for that. I needed to just boy, did I pull that telescope into focus. And in those moments of um, the most severe grief. I did. That's all I focused on was feeling it, because I knew if I didn't feel it at its depths, at its abyss, at its like gut wrenching horror, then I would not be able to recover as well. And you know, recover is is not exactly the word, but because I don't think you ever recover, but you certainly do resurface. And I did resurface, and I was able to because of that. But those are things that were unpredictable. But I had the tools to handle them better, I think. So in that moment of so in the moment of of recovering from my dad and um and the the business decisions I had to make and raising a teenager, two teenagers, and um in there were parts of it where it was when I was so in it, I couldn't sit there and say, holy crap, how can I not get to this part, you know, this place of like about to pop again? It was, I would have to say, I am really at my edge right now. I'm, I'm really close to empty. And let me just survive this moment and go to the next day. And then after a few days, I could say, okay, hmm, I'm better now. What can I do now going forward? That in some way can move the needle away from that, like that part, that real stressful part, and and that's what I did. Is I was like, okay, so I'm going to take this off my plate, and I'm going to make this decision, but I'm not going to make this one. So I think the advice again is when you have that mental or emotional stress, don't feel like you have to um, figure out how to not get there again in the moment. Figure it out after you recover from it. Then that will be a lot more helpful 
So in summary, stress is very good for growth until it's not. And so finding out where that boundary is, is really important. And there are going to be times where you are going to be able to, like my mom does, fill up the gas before it even gets below a quarter of a tank because you're going to get smarter and more informed and more aware. And then there's times where things will just be thrown at you and it you it just, there's no gas station around, right? So it's important to have those, um, that the wherewithal to realize like, get through this and apply the things you know will work to help you get through it. So take the telescope and pull it into focus. What matters most? Because that that will always make your stress feel better and, and alleviate it is when you just let some of it fall away, but never let the things that really matter fall away. So I hope this helps you because physical and mental stress is a thing. It's a big thing. And stress is a big, big trigger for anxiety. And as I've mentioned in other podcasts, anxiety is one of the biggest, dare I say, it's it's malady. It's the one of the it's a huge thing. It's a huge thing in today's society. And stress is a big, big, big factor that um, will set it off. So we need to learn how to manage um, manage our that boundary, that barrier, that not barrier, but that parameter um, that that we're before we get overly stressed, but learn how to use the stress to help us as well. So I hope that you are having a relatively stress-free day, only stressful in the good ways, like moving your body and challenging it and challenging your mind to grow, but being very clear on the things that take energy away and being even clearer about the things that fill you up and do more of those. As always, pulling for you, sending you lots of love.